Hello and welcome. My name is Joe O'Mara. I am the Head of Aviation Finance with KPMG. And on behalf of KPMG and Airline Economics, I'd like to welcome you to the next in our Aviation Leaders podcast series. And I'm delighted to have with us today, Benedict Bedouin Renault, who is the Head of Aviation Finance, EMEA with Epixis. Uh, Benedict, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Joe. I'm very happy to be with you today as well. Great. It, it, it's, it's excellent to have, I suppose, in the series so far, we've, we've mainly talked to aircraft leasing. So it's brilliant to get a perspective from the banks. And it would be probably in the first instance, Benedict, if you, if you want to tell us, our, our listeners, a little bit about Metixis, who are obviously one of the most prominent banks in aviation and have been around aviation for a, for a very long time. Yes, Natixis has uh, experience in aviation for the past uh, 40 years. Um, we are a recognized player. Uh, we have more than uh, 5 billion of uh, total uh, outstanding and, uh, and um, 8, uh, 850 uh, aviation assets, 850 aviation assets. So um, we are based uh, in uh, several uh, countries covering the, the three geographies, so New York for the Americas, uh, Paris and London for EMEA and um, Singapore, Hong Kong and Tokyo for uh, Asia Pacific. Great, thanks Benedict. And, and, and looking at the challenges that aviation faces at the moment, which are clearly unprecedented, but if you compare the impact of, of COVID-19 crisis to the downturns, the other sector that the sector has faced in the past, what can we, what can we take as kind of lessons from the past and where we sit now? I think the impact of the current crisis for aviation um, is different compared to the uh, other downturns. In previous downturns, um, I think the cyclone's eyes was mostly regional, um, mainly impacted one or two regions, such as Asia-Pacific for the south. Um, in previous downturns, um, it was leading to aircraft grounding relatively shortly. Uh, a little bit after 9-11, uh, the aircraft were grounded for a few days or weeks, uh, and mostly in North America. So um, this is why um, the overall impact of the industry in terms of air travel demand is going to be uh, yeah, very, very different. And um, this is what AITA is also um, showing in their latest uh, impact assessments. Uh, where they expect minus 48% um, of airline passenger revenue volume. Um, so I think um, it's going to be, you know, pretty different because worldwide, and um, it's also impacted the whole uh, value chain, uh, not just the airlines, as I said, for the short timing and regionally, but also uh, the leasing companies and obviously also uh, the manufacturers. It's currently being discussed um, in the different webinars of the uh, Ford Borough and Show uh, with such a magnitude, um, which is also why uh, the states have been uh, stepping in so much. And, and, I, and despite it's different, are, are there lessons you can take? It always has been a very cyclical sector. Ooh. What can, lessons can we take from those previous downturns as how that might inform what kind of cycle we're in now? It's funny to, you know, read uh, previous publications, like uh, from December, January, I was looking a little bit into uh, this press lately where people were asking, like, uh, are we at the top of uh, the cycle, etc.? So um, obviously now reading that, uh, we were certainly at a, at a high um, side of the cycle, notably in terms of asset value. And it was not just for aviation, but uh, generally for all type of assets. 
Um, and now that uh, this uh, COVID crisis has um, impacted uh, aviation, what we can draw from uh, the previous downturns is that it took between four to seven years um, to recover in terms of a number of aircraft delivered by Airbus and Boeing. Um, so it's probably going to take as much at this time, uh, notably for what I said before regarding the magnitude and the fact that it's a completely um, worldwide uh, crisis. Um, I think the question in terms of uh, recovery is uh, is not only the uh, economic landscape, but also um, san sanitary measures. And uh, I, I heard that in the different webinars of the uh, Fernborer show, which were saying it's... Um, um, sanitary measures that you're going to implement not only at the airline level but also at the different airports level and um, on top of that it's obviously the uh, the rush uh, towards the vaccine and effectively if there is a vaccine soon it will tremendously change uh, the appetite for air travel again yeah I, I think that's interesting to, to think about and if you think about one you know what it will mean as you say from that regulatory perspective um, and, and what a trip you know to the airport and then onto an airplane will look like and then behaviorally and how that behavioral piece will even change once you know hopefully a vaccine is available be it early next year or beyond um in looking at the airline situation we've obviously had extreme challenges um an effective shutting off of cash flow um and varying degrees of support uh, coming from different regions and different airlines what, what are your thoughts on the current proposed level or what support we've seen given by governments for various airlines? So I think it's um, it's been given through uh, different types of products, uh, direct capital injections, use of convertible bonds, a type of instrument or, uh, or loans uh, brought by bank and guaranteed by the respective states, um, the latter being one uh, really developed, uh, notably uh, in, uh, in my area of responsibility in Europe, Middle East and Africa. Um, like, uh, for example, in May, uh, it was uh, representing 9.2 billion of uh, disclosed debt, and uh, out of which um, approximately 50% was coming from uh, Air France KLM's billion uh, state guaranteed loan. So um, I think this kind of, uh, of, uh, of um, product are also um, using the uh, different, uh, you know, uh, local bank uh, liquidities, um, which is uh, positive because uh, each, uh, from what we see, is that each local bank are supporting their uh, respective um, airline. Then um, the support we've seen as well are uh, more like uh, indirect measures, which are help me helping uh, soften softening the cash burn um, with uh, temporary tax reliefs, for example. Um, so this is a, this is a important also for uh, the, the different uh, airlines that are you know large employers for the different countries and um, and good source of revenues um, for you know notably uh, um, foreign currencies uh, in certain uh, for certain economies. Uh, Benedict, your customer base are, are obviously both airlines and lessors. We've seen on the lessor side, they've received you know, a significant amount of deferral requests from their customers. Uh, and while they haven't been as strained from a liquidity perspective as airlines would be, that strain is clearly coming down the line. From an Atixis perspective, when you're looking at your customers, either in the lessor or the airline side, what has been your approach to dealing with them? I know there'll be a significant case-by-case -case approach to this, but what has been your, your general approach in looking at your customer base and how you work 
with your clients through the crisis out over the medium term? Well, I think, you know, um, from what I understand from our different customers, as well as, you know, discussing with some peers or some uh, some other, um, you know, players of this industry, uh, the, the key point uh, currently is relationship. And um, I think the way uh, the, the banks uh, have been looking into uh, um, this particular phase is, uh, is really to support uh, the strongest relationship, which means the one that has been built in a, in a trustworthy uh, environment for the past few years. It doesn't always mean like, uh, you know, um, uh, highly profitable uh, relationships, but also, uh, as I said, you know, uh, a strong element of, uh, of trust. Um, I think the you know the the leasing companies um, have been uh, drawing on uh, available cash at the beginning of uh, of the crisis in order to make sure that they would have the cash uh, to support uh, the the payment deferral requests that would be made by uh, by the um, different airlines and it was underlined um, by uh, Guillaume Fauri during the. Uh, the, the first quarter uh, Airbus's results that um, the uh, operating leasing company has been uh, acting uh, as a buffer in this industry. So, you know, we've been uh, supporting them uh, through the different facilities that uh, we had in place uh, for uh, our different uh, OPLESOS clients. Um, when it comes to airlines, um, I think so. The... the the consequence is that they've probably been more uh, active towards speaking with uh, op lessors than banks uh, at first. Um, and those that benefited from a state-guaranteed loan uh, have been more um, relying and speaking with their uh, respective local banks and respective states in order to put together uh, those kind of uh, safety net. Uh, then, in terms of uh, portfolio, it's true that some airlines are going to come to their banks on, on a second step, or those that had less uh, operating uh, leases uh, in order to get uh, some relief. Um, my view is that it's going to be um, interesting to see uh, how autumn uh, develops, uh, notably after the summer season and, uh, and how uh, cash would have been rebuilt. Uh, post-summer uh, season, notably in, um, in uh, this area, Europe, Middle East and Africa. So, so metrics you are clearly looking at will be, you know, as you mentioned, around that government support piece and then I guess the key piece on, on when and how much people start flying over the rest of the year. Yes, exactly. Uh, the, I mean, the government support is obviously uh, an important one. Um, and uh, there were a lot of comments uh, that were made, you know, uh, in, notably in the different uh, webinars that were organized by uh, um, airline economics. So uh, um, then, you know, obviously we are going to look at uh, the, the metrics of summer, although we know that it's not going to be a normal summer, so it's going to be different also on a region per region basis. Um, and, uh, and also what we monitor is uh, the revenues coming from cargo business. Um, as we see that it's, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good element uh, which enables to, uh, to keep on having uh, inflows of cash uh, for certain uh, airlines in the region. And looking beyond assessing your customer base and the challenges they're having from a cash flow perspective, what are the other challenges that you're facing in this environment as an aviation finance bank? So I think um, in the current environment, uh, the, the, 
the question is still, you know, the, uh, the aircraft value. Uh, as I mentioned before, you know, uh, all asset classes uh, were relatively uh, trading high uh, before the crisis. And, um, and you know, that was a, that was a question again for, for all type of, uh, of assets. Um, so I think the, the different banks... Um, Noting the current status of the sectors and the fact that uh, still a relatively important percentage, more than 50% of, uh, of the fleet is, um, is still grounded or, you know, depending the region, um, there will be uh, obviously scrutiny in terms of uh, what are the, the bank's exposures uh, all around the world uh, in the aviation sector. And the exposure is what is the real exposure at risk. So I guess what's going to be interesting is... Uh, to see uh, the, the publications that will be made by the different financiers of the industry. Um, so the, 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 the key challenge is going to be risk management, obviously, and, um, and what kind of a new position uh, can be taken by uh, the different banks, meaning, you know, uh, um, can there be a significant uh, incremental uh, amount of debt that can be... Uh, um, put into this, uh, this sector currently. Um, the, the two other elements are... Uh... Benedict, when you look at asset class prices, in considering what is relative value in this environment, what metrics are you looking at? I mean, in this environment, it's very difficult because um, you can... Um... You can look at uh, eventually looking at sell and lease back, uh, taking into account uh, the lease that an, air an airline is uh, amenable to pay currently and do your NPV and try to assess what's going to be uh, the value of the aircraft. Um, and then you cross-check it with the uh, value that are released by the appraisers, um, which are, uh, you know, I mean, currently being uh, under scrutiny as well. So, it's um it's very difficult because the market is not really trading and we understand why currently the mood is more like to renegotiate uh, the different order book be it by lessors or uh, or by airlines directly with the OEM. Um, so to be honest, to have a view on uh, on on the asset class and the asset prices and the different metrics, um, my, my views is that uh, it's it's a uh, it's a call that you take uh, on on the airline. It's creditworthiness, maybe looping back to what you said before on the, you know the state support and, and how you value it, and um, and potentially uh, uh, addressing therefore with an NPV type of mechanism uh, what kind of aircraft value uh, intrinsically you can have and what kind of residual value you put. And I think this loops into an element that I wanted to touch upon, which is the challenge. The challenge is also the um, ESG uh, green subjects, you know, and uh, we clearly see a trend of um, moving um, towards, um, you know, younger aircraft and more efficient because some of the uh, uh, state guaranteed loans came with uh, strings attached uh, regarding carbon emissions. And um, I mean, uh, there is a, an open question regarding uh, residual value on, uh, on older assets. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point. And when you think on the, obviously, in this environment, climate change, the ESG agenda have been put on the back of the talking points that aren't going anywhere in the longer term. Um, and I would be curious on your views as to how important you see that becoming when um, we end up in that kind of post-crisis environment. Or, or if I ask it in a different way, pre-crisis, how much more importance is being placed 
by investors or banking institutions on ESG issues. So I would only answer on the uh, aviation finance perimeter because uh, I don't want to comment on um, what banks have put in place on uh, ESG all across the board, you know, which is not my uh, my area. Uh, absolutely. And I, I think that's all you know, the people who are listening to this podcast will be interested in as well. There have been, you know, two deals that were done by uh, other banks uh, just before crisis, uh, which were interesting and uh, in the aviation finance field and which were opening a little bit more uh, ESG uh, green um, uh, transactions. Um, I, I think it's still uh, at early stages and, um, and obviously uh, a lot of banks must have uh, discussions with the, their clients and... Um, as well as different third parties or investors, you know, uh, about this topic in aviation. Um, the, the question is, um, is this uh, the, 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 the primary asset class uh, for uh, green and ESG? Um, is it also uh, the asset class that investors are uh, looking at uh, for this type of investments? I mean, because it's nascent, um, I, I think there are a lot of questions marked, but uh, probably um, this is challenge as well as opportunities uh, for banks um, in, in this current environment, notably because there is now uh, a little bit more uh, motivation uh, for certain airlines on the back of uh, what their respective government have been uh, giving them as a roadmap. Yeah, I think that is interesting and how that develops. Um, it will be will be very interesting going out as I mentioned. You know, hopefully, when we push beyond this crisis within the next six to twelve months, and and can I ask? You mentioned opportunities a couple of times there. We're obviously in a very challenged environment, but but that gives rise to a certain amount of disruption, and disruption will lead into opportunities. Looking at the aviation finance market, what opportunities do you see that co- come out of this crisis? So. Um... So purely on the on the finance side, um, I think there is a, a clear um, coming back into uh, the in, into into fashion of uh, export uh, credit agencies. Um, I think that there will be uh, a lot of um, supported transaction, a bit uh, towards the end of this year and at the beginning of next year, um, and notably, uh, it's, I think it's an opportunity for certain players to. Uh, to uh, gain market share and to keep uh, exposure in the aviation uh, while uh, limiting um, dramatically the risks thanks to the offset of the export credit guarantee. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, so I, and we know that, uh, that several issuers are, are looking for, uh, for this product. Um, another opportunity can be uh, using uh, different collateral in order to, uh, to get some... Uh, leverage and, uh, and cash and um, based on public disclosures uh, what we know is that airlines have announced a total of uh, 34 billion USD uh, of new debt and uh, drawdowns in the six weeks from mid-March to end of April um, and this uh, was coming not only um, unsecured or backed by aircraft assets but also uh, vintage and encumbered assets, real estate, equipment, slots, routes, uh, gates, frequent flyer programs. So um, it enables uh, bankers uh, to be uh, quite, um, uh, I would say, imaginative, <laughs> uh, depending obviously on uh, of the uh, underlying um, 
legal jurisdiction uh, that enables you to, uh, to benefit or not from uh, those um, assets uh, as, a, as a true um, collateral, you know, that you can um, evaluate uh, in your system. Um, aside from that, on a, on a longer term perspective, obviously, the, as we said, the green uh, is, a, is, a, is a clear uh, opportunity. Um, but my view is that, um, you know, despite what I said before, it's still uh, because of the current state in which we are and uh, the fact that uh, passenger demand is not back there yet, it's still a, a, an important matter, but not urgent, you know, as classified in the... Uh, yeah, I think, I think that that um, secured point you mentioned is, is interesting, as you say, when you have effectively rummaged through the wallet to see every piece you have and that you can secure upon um, what is left on the unsecured basis will be interesting and what happens in the unsecured market as and when it, it, it returns properly will, will be very interesting to see. Um, in shifting gears and looking at aircraft types, um, the impact that the crisis may have on certain types of aircraft, we've obviously seen the 747 announcement uh, in the last few days. Um, what do you think will happen in the aircraft arena and what impact or change might that have in the financing environment? So um, I think um, it comes back to uh, to what we said before. There is one element uh, regarding uh, green and uh, the big uh, incentive that uh, certain airlines will have to keep on, con on, uh, on refleeting i.e. Uh, continue uh, taking uh, new aircraft because um, it was their plan to uh, decarbonize their fleet and, and be more efficient on that front. Um, so uh, at what pace is this going to take place? This is the question. And um, so I, I think this will definitely have an impact on, on aircraft value. And at the end of the day also, um, I don't know how disruptive you know, the cycle of technologies can be. Um, we are hearing about uh, hydrogen, you know, how how much time does it take for an OEM to integrate uh, this new resource of uh, energy uh, to make a, a viable aircraft? Um, so the question is, what's going to be the impact on the, the residual value of the assets after, let's say, uh, first uh, eight to 10 year lease? Um, and uh, is it, is the um, economic life of an asset going to be reduced uh, because there will be more and more uh, R &D, uh, research and development um, made by uh, OEMs in order to, uh, to continue to keep on upgrading you know, the, the, the different aircraft. And so um, when, when you ask me for certain aircraft type, this is the question I have and how it's going to change the financing environment. What we see today is that um, the loan to values are being reduced, uh, notably on the back of the fact that appraisers have, uh, have decreased uh, certain values. And for certain white bodies, it's uh, between 20 and 25%, even the latest technology. So that is quite uh, important. So the secured financing uh, business is going to be impacted on, on those uh, loan-to-values uh, effectively. And also on, uh, on the tenors, we know that uh, some banks are only now looking at uh, five to seven years. Uh, is the 12 years uh, going to still remain, you know, when uh, traffic picks up or no? 
um, that, that, that's a question. And I know that uh, in a previous webinar that was organized by uh, Airline Economics in May, IBA presented uh, also some, um, some figures regarding uh, the number of uh, narrow body and wide body aged uh, more than 16 years old or 13 years old. And uh, it was amounting to more than uh, 5,000 aircraft uh, in total. So, um, the, again, you know, comes back to the economic life uh, of, uh, of the different assets. Notably, if OEMs are continuing uh, research and development. Uh, so so it could, that, that could give rise to a very fundamental shift if you go to, as you say, the, the tenor of debt or, or the level uh, of secured funding in which you'll provide. That could have a very fundamental impact on, on how you finance an aircraft. Yeah, or can have a, a fundamental impact on how you finance an airline as well. Um, to mean that uh, uh, it can be, and maybe some of the, uh, you know, the US ones, as, as I said before, we are looking to leverage on different types of assets. Uh, maybe you can uh, you can look also at uh, different types of assets or um, or, uh, or build, uh, well, now the unsecured, uh, you know, is more difficult taking into uh, the, the, the shape of uh, the different balance sheet, but uh, um, it's, it's, the, it's what the, the state guaranteed loan have been, uh, have been taking, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, and it does come back to, as you mentioned, what, what it, or how big a part the ESG piece may play in, in what you're able to finance or, or the appetite to finance it. Um, and, and, and obviously we will see we're in a situation now where the capital markets have probably reopened a, a little bit for the, uh, the lessors as well as airlines and, and how that plays out will be interesting to look at. And looking out beyond the current situation, if we start to think recovery, and we talked a little about this at the start, just curious on your thoughts over what, what shape do you think the recovery will take? But, but what, but what will drive it as well? So I know when, when we spoke for the for our leaders report, uh, probably late last year, we talked on you know potential on the airline consolidation side. Just just what you see happening from a recovery perspective generally, and and, and what what impacts we might see coming out of that recovery. Well, it's um, it's not easy. It's it's a little bit of a crystal ball gazing, and also. Um, there is a combination of uh, macroeconomic factors, you know, of uh, reopening of the different borders and how the situation uh, is um, is being managed uh, at uh, each uh, state uh, level across the world, uh, notably for uh, all the um, international flights. So um, I think uh, it's uh, it's probably going to to take a little bit of time, as I said before, you know, on the basis of the previous crisis, it took uh, four to seven years to resume um, the level of deliveries pre-crisis. So um, it's the, the, the air travel demand is, is probably going to take some, some years to come back. People are saying, you know, uh, between uh, 2023 and 2024 to reach uh, the, the 2019 levels. Um, I, I think uh, that it boils down to also the progresses that will be done uh, by medicine and, uh, and vaccines, but also, um, and the manufacturers are working on it, but it's uh, how um, you, you, uh, you, you make sure that people are confident in flying an aircraft and uh, what are the uh, different uh, processes that are put in place uh, at uh, the airline level and the airport level in order to make uh, a safe journey. And... Um, 
I think for the time being, it's not 100% harmonized. Um, so, you know, let's see what's the outcome of the summer seasons and uh, if there are some uh, more um, uh, international measures that are going to be taken in order to have the same approach across the board. Yeah, no, I think that's it. And it's amazing what relativity does. I, I think now if we got into, you know, 2021 and we were at, 70 to 80 percent of 2019 levels i think people would be nearly ecstatic um it's a it's a long way from where we were when we were having these conversations late last year or in january time and in looking at the aviation finance market could you see any transformational or structural changes that will come into that market uh, over the next 12 months yes um I think what is interesting is uh, some some feedbacks that we're getting from the market is that uh, the sale and leaseback market is still uh, quite uh, hot. Um, so that's interesting because it means that uh, there is still uh, money to be deployed by uh, uh, certain operating lessors. Um, so, you know, maybe this, uh, this side of the market is not going to change uh, despite... Uh, Despite the situation, maybe some uh, operating lessors are uh, trying to gain exposure on, um, on the airlines that are being called, uh, the ones that are so going for survive, you know, the survivors. Um, so, I mean, quite uh, interested to, uh, to, to follow um, this side of the market and um, if it's going to, to change uh, structurally, because as you know, you know the, the level of uh, sale and leasebacks were relatively high in terms of uh, asset price and low in terms of lease rent factor. Obviously, um, the, the finance market is uh, going to change because uh, as I said before, the ECS are going to be uh, more in fashion. Um, I think with the banks uh, being you know more picky in terms of LTV, uh, markets such as... Uh, you know, ABS uh, being uh, closed or almost closed or even uh, on the WTC being not uh, as open as before, um, there is a, a, an interest on the airline side to leverage also their assets. And uh, we have to remind that uh, ECA can get up to uh, 85% of the uh, aircraft price, which is uh, quite um, interesting currently and still benefit from a low um, margin levels, taking into account uh, the strengths of uh, the different um, ECA guarantees, be it uh, from uh, United States or from European ECS. So, um, so I'm not sure it's going to change uh, really uh, what used to be uh, 2019 or 2020. Um, also, you know, the capital markets are being opened for uh, operating lessors on the unsecured. Um, we've seen that with, uh, with uh, some lessors uh, lately. So um, hopefully, you know, if traffic bounces back uh, this summer uh, in some regions, in Asia, in Europe, um, in Middle East, maybe it's going to uh, to recreate a relatively uh, correct cash position, and uh, at the end of the day, um, will not uh, dramatically change uh, this market. Um, I think it boils down to you know um, how how um, how we are going to tackle uh, those uh, also sanitary issue and uh, consumer confidence. Yeah, I mean I think they're interesting points, and the same in the spark market I think would be quite interesting. I know. Anecdotally, in chatting to people, it, it's assessing that airline credit piece, which is so challenging in this environment. And as you mentioned, what, what is relative value of an asset? 
but you would think as things settle, we will see uh, just that market hot up even further towards the end of the year. Um, just in closing, can I ask you, Benedict, um, if you, you know, looking out over the, the rest of the year, can I ask you, what, what are your hopes as to where the market will go and, and what's your expectation as to how the rest of 2020 will play out? So my hopes is that uh, we will have, um, you know, travel areas, uh, areas where uh, travel will be uh, permitted. This is what we see, uh, for example, uh, in Europe and uh, with certain uh, countries uh, surrounding Europe where uh, travel is being authorized, um, which enables uh, the tourism industry to, uh, to pick up again and also obviously uh, our uh, air travel industry. Um, so my, my hope is that uh, this is going to... Uh, to reopen, to enable, uh, you know, people that are living in a foreign country to go back home and um, and also for people to, uh, to forget this uh, lockdown uh, moment. Um, so more on a, I would say more on a regional perspective, because as we see, uh, the, 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 the constraints for uh, travel international are uh, relatively high uh, still. Um, and uh, and therefore, my hopes towards the end of the year would be uh, less cases, uh, no rebound uh, in Europe uh, towards autumn uh, with uh, uh, less coronavirus cases, no second phase, you know, and um, and eventually a, re a bigger reopening, a wider reopening of uh, of international flights. But um, I mean, this is my hopes uh, and. Uh, I don't know if this is going to materialize. <laughs> no, I think we'd all echo those hopes and sentiments. Uh, but I'd like to thank you very much for your insights over the course of the discussion. Uh, I found it very, very interesting. I'm sure our listeners will as well. And I'd just like to wish you and Atixis uh, all the best over the coming months. Thank you, Joe. That was a pleasure. And thank you all for listening. <laughs>